welcome to Let's Dive In. It's our little podcast. Where we have a go at answering questions all about life, the universe and everything in it. I'm Phil. And I'm Julie. So let's dive in. Today we're joined by a really special guest. Phil, tell us where our guest is today. Well, they're from far away and it's impressive. Nick, do you want to say where you are? Yeah, hi everyone. My name is Nick and uh, I'm an oceanographer. I am currently based in Norway and all the science and work that I do is either in the Arctic Ocean, underneath the sea ice, or sometimes even in the Southern Ocean down near Antarctica. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. One of the things that we do in this podcast is we get questions from kids. And if Phil and I aren't pros in this particular topic, we come to people like you, uh, an expert. And so we have a very special question from two four-year-old who are now actually five-year-old twin girls, Alice and Florence. And it wasn't just by asking the question that they gained an age. It's not like, you know, a computer game. You ask a question, you level up to level five. Flora! And I'm Dr. Tom Weller. They're my lovely daughters. And they're very curious. Hey, why are the sea salty? What made you ask that? From a book. What do you mean from a book? A book said the sea was salty. And it's something that I've often known but have never questioned. So I'm delighted to ask you. Nick, why is the sea salty? Well, that is, that is actually a really good question. So when we, when we think of salt, we think of, often think of table salt, like the thing that you might put on your chips or on your meal at a night time. And so that type of salt is what we call sodium chloride. So it's two atoms, if you like, that are joined together, sodium and chloride, to make this thing that tastes salty to us. And so that's the thing that we can recognize in the ocean when we uh, you know, taste a little bit of seawater, you know, it tastes salty. But actual seawater has a, a lot of other things in it, not just sodium and chloride. And so the ocean wasn't always salty. It actually took quite a long time for it to get as salty as it is now. What we think that the ocean has been around for at least 500 million years. And what we think is that it actually started out as fresh water. And then over a really long period of time, all that salt gradually built up in the ocean. So. Where did that salt actually come from? Florence, what do you think? Why do you think the sea is salty? They put salt in. Who put salt in? Someone. I don't know. Someone. You think there was someone standing over the sea with a big salt shaker going, shake, 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 shake. Okay. Alice, um, why do you think the sea is salty? So, so your nose doesn't get blocked up. Okay, Nova, what's your So Nova is my four, soon to be five-year-old daughter. And when she can, she likes to come along for the experiments that we do for the show. Maybe someone was flying an aeroplane or a jet over the sea uh, with a big salt machine with with a grabber on the bottom to, to shake salt in the sea. That would be amazing. What about you, Alice? Do you have another guess on how the salt got in the sea? Because a big man came over the sea and stomped for it and put and dragged 
and the salt on his chest and it all came out into the sea. Oh my goodness. Well, it's not the right answer, but it's certainly a very fun answer. Wouldn't it have been fun if there was either a giant person or someone flying an aeroplane shaking salt all through the sea? It comes from rocks mostly. So all those salts get dissolved out of rocks that are either surrounding the ocean on land or the rocks that are on the seabed underneath the ocean. And then over time, they gradually get concentrated in the ocean. So they get washed in through rivers and then dissolve from the rocks on the seabed and they end up concentrating in the ocean as we know it today. Does that mean then that the sea is still getting saltier as time goes on? We think it might. But after a certain point, you can't keep adding salt. Well, unless it's my chips, because I definitely can keep adding salt to my chips. It's totally not good for you. (laughs) Okay, so I'll stop that, sorry. (laughs) But after a while, there's actually only so much salt that uh, water can hold. And then when it gets too much salt, that salt actually falls out of the water and then gets deposited as mineral deposits. At the moment, the salinity, what we call the salinity of the ocean, varies depending on which part of the ocean you're in. And some parts of the ocean are more salty than others, depending on what processes are happening there. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's have a little aside to explain here. Let's rewind. Does salt literally fall out of water? No, it doesn't literally fall out of water. What Nick means here is that water can't possibly hold or have any more salt dissolved in it. So if more salt was added to the water, it still wouldn't dissolve. It would just stay visible as salty crystals. Yeah, so like imagine you've spilled some water and you take a towel to soak it up. But the towel can only hold so much. Once the towel is full, like the sea holding on to as much salt as it can, any more water would just not get soaked up by the towel. Like there's not any more salt that can be added to the sea once it's been soaked up. Oh, quickly, something else whilst we're on the topic of so much salt in the sea. Mm-hmm. I read that during winter, most of the water on Antarctica freezes solid, except except the water in one pond, which is about the size of two Olympic-sized swimming pools. And this pond is called Don Juan Pond, and it's got the saltiest water on Earth. Let's get back to Nick. One of the things that I study is some biological processes that happen in the seawater. And we know that given a certain set of physical and chemical conditions that the material that shells are made out of, which we call calcium carbonate, so the shells you find on the beach or the type of material that even corals are made out of, they're even called salts and they can actually fall out of the water um, by themselves when these chemical and physical conditions mean that the seawater can't hold on to those building blocks anymore. So the salt comes in from, from, I suppose, things that are in the ocean, but also stuff that gets washed into the ocean is from rocks. Is, is, like, is that through rivers or just people thrown in rocks? Or how does it all get there? Yeah, so let's think about, like, what are the main sources of water for the ocean? Maybe it was the same by the soap for my guest, but with water. He, he, someone was flying a jet or an aeroplane over the sea and putting water on 
the beach and it landed in the sea. Okay, all right. I love your creative ideas, girls. That's really cool. Now, let's have a think about where else do we find water. When we go out for walks, where else do you see water? When are we going to do Puddles. Experiment? Puddles, okay. What else? What From the clouds. Clouds, okay. What about on land? Where else can you find water? In ponds and rivers. Big rivers like the Amazon, you know, pour in lots and lots of water into the ocean every year. And so those rivers, all that water comes from the land surrounding those river catchments. And that's what brings in all these salts and they concentrate into the river and then the river flows into the ocean. I don't know if you've ever tasted river water, but you might realize that, uh, well, hang on, river water is, is actually not that salty. And so if the main source of water for the ocean is river water, then how come the ocean is, is still so salty? You ask a good question, Nick. That uh, one that I should have thought of myself, but yes, great question. Let's see, how, how are we measuring the, the saltiness of the river water? So the way I've just described it is by tasting it. Yes. Okay, so we, we taste uh, river water and we taste seawater and then we realize that one's definitely saltier than the other. In fact, one might not taste salty at all. But that doesn't mean that there aren't salts in the river water. They are there, it just means that they're in a low enough concentration that we can't taste them. So what happens is that as the river water flows into the ocean, the sun heats it up and that water evaporates, forms clouds and rain, and then that rain falls onto the land again. And this whole process continues. It's called the hydrological cycle. But when water evaporates to form clouds, it actually leaves all those salts behind. So this continual process of evaporation, rainfall, river input is all the time working to concentrate all those salts into the ocean. And so given enough time, like 500 million years, what we end up with is an ocean that is as salty as we see it today. That makes sense now. And I think we have a little experiment that we could try actually to show that. Julie, will we, will we tell everybody about it? Yes, go ahead, Phil, go for it. Lead the way. Okay, so the idea with this experiment is to see the salt that the sea has, which wasn't easy to say, so you're welcome. What you're going to need is three saucers, some plain fresh tap water, some tap water with salt dissolved in it, and some tap water with sugar dissolved in it. To make up the salty water as it would be in the sea, you're going to need to add about three and a half grams of salt per hundred milliliters of water. So you'll have a bit of fun measuring out these bits. And then you do the same thing with the sugar. So three and a half grams of sugar in a hundred milliliters of water. So get your measuring jugs out and your spoons and your everything else. Just take your time and do it properly. What you'll need to do is put a little bit each of these three waters, the plain, the salty and the sugary, on a windowsill and leave them alone. Come back in a day or so and see what happens and keep doing that until you see a change, as in they've started to evaporate. And what should have happened is the water that would have evaporated into the air and the salt should be left behind in the saucer. However, we don't know what's going to happen with the sugar, so tweet us in your answers and your pictures so we find out. 
Yeah, it would be really great to see what happens to that sugar. Like Phil said, we haven't done this one with sugar yet. So we're, we're using this as something else that dissolves in water like salt. But we want to see if it behaves in the same way, which is exactly what science is all about. Yes. And also the plain, the salty and the sugary is the name of our first band. Um, just you get to figure out who's, the, who's going to be the plain one and who's going to be the salty one. I'll be the sugary one. Oh, okay, because you're so sweet. Well, then I'll be the... I don't know, I'm saltier plain. I don't know. Let's go back to Nick and see what he has to say. Well, so one of the other questions that we've got for you, Nick, is you've got the fresh water coming in from the rivers and you've got the fresh water coming in from the rain. Now, there's all different types of water, all with different levels of salt in them. So what does that mean for the oceans? What Does it have an effect on, on how the water is in the ocean and how the water flows? It sure does. That's the job of an oceanographer, to work out how all those processes affect the movement and the chemistry of seawater. Hey, I know one of those. Um, I know one of those. He's there. <laughs> oh my God, he's on screen. We're chatting to him now. I might be able to help you with that question. <laughs> so the, the, the ocean, because of those processes, because of these differences in temperature and differences in salinity, one, one thing as a result of differences in, in those changes is a change in what we call the density of the water. So you can think of density as, as how heavy the water is. So if you've got some really salty and also some really cold seawater, that's actually a lot heavier, well, not, not a lot, but enough, <laughs> heavier enough than, say, what a warm fresh water would be. So what Nick is saying is that if you mix this warm-ish fresh water with cold salty water in a cup, the cold salty water would sink to the bottom of the cup because it's heavier or it's more dense. That's mad. I mean, who would have thought that water is heavier than water? But what's amazing is that this phenomenon causes currents to form in the world's oceans, which affects where we catch our fish, what the weather is like, and ultimately our climate, and thus our lives here on Earth. It's like just one big cycle, like everything's connected to each other. So if you, if you look at Antarctica, if you can find a map of Antarctica, you'll notice that there, the continent of Antarctica is surrounded by an enormous ocean. It's called the Southern Ocean. You look at any map of Antarctica and you'll see it's covered in ice. And then every winter, the ocean surrounding Antarctica freezes. So just the upper layer, so you get about a one to two metre thick of sea ice that forms. One on to the two metres? Yeah. And obviously you like a little bit of ice is one to two metres. What? <laughs> That's huge! The formation of sea ice around Antarctica each winter nearly doubles the area of Antarctica itself. So what happens during the winter when this sea ice forms is that obviously the water is really cold as a result. But when seawater freezes, it doesn't actually incorporate all the salt into the ice that it forms. It can't. So what it does, it gets rid of it. So when the sea ice forms, the water around it is really cold and that salt that gets rejected uh, makes really cold, really salty and therefore really dense or heavy water underneath. And that water actually flows off the continental shelf around Antarctica 
and then sinks to the very bottom of the ocean and forms an enormous current that flows all around the world on the very bottom of our ocean basins. And sometimes it takes up to a thousand years for that water to come back up to the surface again. That's phenomenal. But it, it does lead quite neatly onto you did say it's a it's a cool kind of snazzy process to do with currents. You have a cool snazzy process experiment that you described to us before what we could try ourselves and Julie and I are going to try it. What, can you explain exactly what you meant? The, the little snazzy experiment that you said? Yeah, yeah. So this fun little experiment just involves a normal glass of water and an ice cube. So to really see what's going on, what you'll need to do is get some food coloring or food dye and freeze that into the ice cube. And then you want to make sure that your glass of water is room temperature or maybe a little bit warmer. And then you just put the colored ice cube in the water and then you just watch what happens. Okay, everyone, here's your chance to have a go at guessing what's going to happen or even having a go yourself. If by some miracle you've magically managed to predict what you will need for this experiment before we even told you about it and you have it in front of you right now. So what do you think? Now, if you can't get this experiment at home, not to worry, we've actually done a little video for you so you can see what happens. But, 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 don't watch it yet. No cheating. Let's nope. see if you guessed it right. Let's see what Nick says and he can explain what will happen. All right, so this, this ice cube experiment, although we're not using any salt water here, what it shows us is how the temperature of the water can affect how dense or how heavy it is. Now, Alice, tell me, what happens to the ice cube when I put it in a drink? It gets smaller and... The more you leave it in there, it, the more it shrinks. This cold and coloured water starts to melt from the ice cube. Now, I'm going to take a blue ice cube and put it in the cup of water. What can you see? The colour's going off it. And it will start to sort of peel off in little tendrils. Where's it going? Into the water. Into yeah, the water. but where in the water is it going? To the bottom. Uh, almost like a... Uh, a waterfall, if you like, of coloured of coloured dye coming off the ice cube, and so this process that we see of this cold water sinking to the bottom of the glass is pretty much the same type of process that we see in many parts of the oceans around the world. So we've talked a lot about Antarctica today. This cold and heavier water sinks from around the the edge of Antarctica and then flows down the continental slope into the bottom of the ocean. So it's a very similar kind of process to what we're actually seeing right here in the glass. Does that mean that like we if we want to look back in time or what things were like a thousand years ago can we look at that water and see what's in it or is there stuff like there obviously it's not a plastic bag floating in it but is there is there stuff in it that we can that you analyze or what's like sorry i am fascinated it's one of the things that i'm interested in too all right i mentioned that you know the the ocean can affect things like weather and climate and what i mean is that what we're doing at the moment is that we're changing our climate by putting lots of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere through burning things like coal and, and other fossil fuels. But uh, the ocean actually absorbs a really large part of those carbon dioxide emissions. So it's about a, a third of the carbon dioxide that we put into the atmosphere actually ends up in the ocean. 
So in one sense, it's doing us a big favour by making the effects of climate change not quite as severe as they otherwise could be. So what that means is that because it's absorbed that carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, in certain places around the world, like Antarctica, when that really cold and salty seawater sinks from the surface, it actually takes some of that carbon dioxide with it and stores it down into the deep ocean. So it forms a really important process in what's known as the global carbon cycle. So we thought when we were asking the question, like, why is the sea salty? It's salty, but it's also carbony, it's gassy, it's cold, and it's moving all the time around the world. There is a lot of stuff going on. How come if we use salt to de-ice the roads and melt the ice on the roads, how can ice form in a salty ocean? Again, that is a great question. And so, and the answer to it is that seawater can still freeze, but it actually, it freezes at a lower temperature to what normal fresh water would freeze at. So the fresh water that you would get out of the tap in the kitchen you would find that that would freeze at about zero degrees Celsius. But to have the the same effect on a glass of salty water from the ocean, you would have to get the temperature down to about minus 1.85 degrees Celsius for that to freeze. Roughly 0.81. Roughly. Roughly. (laughs) It does depend on how salty the water is. But that's the reason why seawater can still freeze It does freeze, it just has a lower freezing point. And it can't incorporate that salt into its ice crystal lattice, so then it it ejects it. What impact does having this cold, salty water flowing down to the bottom have on the rest of that lovely warm ocean water that we've got like does it all mix like is there someone with a giant spoon mixing it all up or is you know what's going on it's not it's not a giant spoon cool we have it officially (laughs) here folks it's not a giant spoon (laughs) the other thing that 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 happens on the surface of the ocean is that it's uh, exposed to lots of wind there are two main processes so that's how warm and salty the water is and also how much wind is blowing on the surface. So let's go back to Antarctica again, and looking at the Southern Ocean. The biggest current in the world is actually the Antarctic circumpolar current. And so it's uh, the movement of water in, if you're looking at a map of Antarctica, in a clockwise direction all the way around the Antarctic continent. And that current is mostly driven by the uh, westerly winds that blow across the Southern Ocean in that particular region. And that current extends from the surface all the way to the bottom of the Southern Ocean. And the really important thing about that current is that it joins all of the other ocean basins in the world together. So the whole system is is interconnected through this uh, one really important ocean current. This has been such an interesting discussion. We've started with the question, why is the sea salty? Very good question, Alice and Florence. Thank you so much for sending it in. And we have found the perfect person to answer it, Nick up in Norway. That's his official title, Nick up in Norway, just for everybody. (laughs) So Nick, it's been so cool to hear all about the Southern Ocean and all the processes that happen down there. But, But you live up in Norway, which is 
almost on the other side of the planet. So what are you doing up there if you've been telling us all about what's going on down here? Yeah, so <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good point. What I'm interested in, in now is actually how these same processes occur in the Arctic Ocean as well and in particular in the North Atlantic. So in the ocean that's just north of, of Ireland or of Norway. And so this forms a really um, important component of the global climate system. So it's taking all this carbon with it and how it does that and how that will change into the future is something that we really need to be able to understand, which is why I'm now focusing all of my efforts up there in the north. What is it about the science that you do that makes you so excited to get up in the morning and to, you know, go to all these really cold places? It's for that reason that I, that I get to go to all these amazing places. You know, I get to ask questions about the world and to try and find out new things about the world that we live in. And by doing that, by being an oceanographer, I get to go to some pretty, pretty extraordinary places that most people don't get to go to. You, you might wonder, you know, why on earth would you want to go to a, a frozen sea in the middle of nowhere? But you don't have to do that. I've also worked in some tropical environments as well in French Polynesia, looking at some coral reefs, and that was pretty extraordinary too. So you're literally, you're not just doing the science, you're diving in even deeper all the time. We are definitely diving in. <laughs> yes! That nailed the name of the podcast into what you said, Nick. I mean, that's gold. That's gold for us. How did that happen? How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) Totally just rolled off the tongue. (laughs) We'll send you the check. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you my details afterwards. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure and we've delighted ourselves in hearing about Salt of the Sea, all of these wonderful things, and then finding out that you also dive in tropical coral reefs. I am insanely jealous, but also excited because this is something that we might inspire a young person to go off and do. Yeah, Nick, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, the pleasure's been mine. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Now, apart from Julie and me, Let's Dive In is only made possible thanks to the support of Science Foundation Ireland and RTE. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So a giant thanks to them for supporting us and helping us put it all together. But what I think is even more important, no offence, Science Foundation Ireland and RTE, is the people who send the questions and our mini testers, because really they are the stars of our little international science showcase of science. Science showcase of science? Showcase of science. And because, I mean, like, we are showcasing the future and they are the future. We'd also like to thank our delightful producer, Nikki Coughlin. Whoop, whoop. Our coordinators, Lorna Byrne, Sharon Shannon and Avian Bird. And, of course, the head honcho, the lovely and very important... Suzanne Kelly. I feel like I should have a drum roll. We should have a drum roll. Suzanne, I don't know. (laughs) Please keep us, don't fire us. And finally, thank you goes to you. Yes, you for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. And even your cat about the show and make sure that you like and subscribe. So until next time, enjoy your life. And other things. See you soon. Bye.